she said, Deep come from a land down under Where women glow and men plunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Yeah You better run, you better take cover Yeah You better run, you better take cover Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sidearm Nation podcast, a unique baseball podcast. Today, we have Royals left-handed pitcher Richard Lovelady. Thanks for coming on, Richard. Thanks for having me, guys. First things first, would you be able to kind of go through your story on uh, on your arm slot and kind of dropping down how that came about? Yeah, um, I think just there were, there were times where in high school where, um, you know, you would mechanically, you would feel like, gosh, my elbow is really barking. Uh, am I really hurt or is it just my arm slot? And I guess it took me to, to really have to hone in on the mechanics uh, between my junior and senior year of, of being a, in high school to, to really uh, focus in on, you know, your arm slot has to be here. If it's any higher, you're going to get a little pinch in your, you know, your, uh, your shoulder. And if it's any lower, you're just going to get, you know, you're just going to have that somewhat of a flat, flat fastball in a way. So you have to really stay in between, um, and you know, the whole, I think with the whole arm slot in general, that whole thing even like developed whenever I started getting velo and that, you know, that came from the whole, um, I guess you would call it jumping off the mound, you know, but it, it, it honestly, it all started when, when someone said, Hey, you know, you're not using your legs much. You're not really using your legs to throw. And so in my head, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> all right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to exaggerate this. I'm going to literally jump off this mound and see what happens and you know the the data we had back then you know going from just like juco to 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 uh kennesaw state you know we had we had all this uh this stuff this data that allowed you to to really see that hey you know this and even just the catcher's point of view you know because your catcher you know your catcher is basically sees a lot more things than you see when you're throwing and um you know my catchers in general said hey your ball has a lot more life when you jump I mean, I didn't know you were just joking around with it, but I mean, it might be something to, you know, kind of, you know, put into uh, sort of your mechanics in a way, if, if not like actually jump, but just really explode off the mound. Um, and that's, that's honestly where I even got that huge velo jump. Cause I mean, before I was just like 80, 85, 87, you know, didn't think much of it. I was like, all right, that's, you know, that's kind of hard for a lefty in high school, whatever. Um, but whenever I started developing that, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the weights. I'm, you know, I'm doing all that stuff. Cause I, I started hitting the weights when I was in, when I was in uh, my third year of college, man. Like I didn't, I didn't really, I would, I would say we did weightlifting, but there wasn't an actual structured plan until I got to Kennesaw. And that's where I really, really got into, you know, honing into more, uh, some of my abilities can really come out and get stronger. And, and the whole jumping just really took off. And that, that allowed me to, really have that late arm and whip to it, which allowed it to be at that angle and be really effective. Yeah. I mean, I guess, is it something for you? Like if you didn't drop down, do you think you would have had the the same success? You know, six, uh, honestly, I, I would, I would say, no, I don't think I would have the same success. Gotcha. I wouldn't have that needle jump at all. You know, is there any mechanical tips that you have, Richard? Yeah. Um, so with me, 
or just people similar to me. I've, I mean, I've watched uh, what's the, what's the guy for who used to the Braves? Uh, Darren O'Day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he so his was actually his was a lot more exaggerated more than I am. Um, but I knew that with that whole jumping thing before it was it was as I was jumping up and out, and yep. that. That at times could make you get a little bit wild and you really had to be, you know, really locked in with your, your eyes to the plate to re, you know, refine the target and, and, and a lot of spots missing. For me, it honestly, I had to tell myself, hey, if you're going to jump, you need to jump out. You don't need to jump up and in and out because in there, there right there is where you, you know, you start to lose, uh, you start to lose a little bit of power. There, there goes the velo. Um, and, and really it kind of, it makes your eyes go up and down when you have to jump up and out, um, having to find a target. So with me, I had to, you know, I had to ride the front side and jump out, really, really stay on, stay on the target with my front shoulder. Cause with me, with that angle, if my shoulder flies open with my arm slot, there's no telling where that ball is going to be honest with you. <laughs> yep. No, that's very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, would there be any kind of, you know, for anyone maybe debating on changing their arm angle, like obviously kind of the mental part of that, would you have any kind of, you know, tricks for that or anything that helped you? I, so I personally have never had to, um, I was never one of those guys that said, Hey, you have a, you have a real long arm angle. Let's go ahead or arm, you know, arms, uh, just, you have a real long, like arm throw or whatever you call it. And we need you to have a short arm path sort of thing. I've never had that. I've had people that, um, that actually have converted from a longer arm path guy to a shorter and in general, just playing catch it, it, it's honestly, it comes out a lot harder and a lot quicker on you than you expect. Um, but it, it honestly, it, it all depends. It all depends on, uh, obviously like what age you are. Um, how far are you into, to, you know, pitching in general, like how many experience, how much experience do you have with it? Um, you, you can't just, you can't just, you know, you can't just tell a 15 year old kid, Hey, go, go throw like a roll to Chapman and there's a hundred, you know what I mean? It, it's just <laughs> it's all according to how your body is. Honestly, you have to, I mean, honestly, a big thing is if with uh, cleaning up your arm path and really finding your, your arm slot and your delivery, I feel like is, is when you're in your long toss program, you know, it's, it's where you can see yourself actually getting through a baseball and really pulling the ball down and seeing, you know, what the ball does. Um, when you start to stretch the ball out and I'm not talking about like, you know, like the old, uh, janitor toss, long toss. I mean, actual throwing the ball, probably, you know, somewhere on a line, probably about 10 feet above your, your partner's head. As far as you, as, as far, you know, say you're about, I don't know, 300, 330 feet out, you know, just really trying to pull it down and not trying to get that air on the ball. Cause that's when you really start to find, you know, what arm slot really works for you and what slot looks good for you. And then I guess long toss wise, while you're talking about it, what, what what's kind of your program? Like, do you stretch it out from a lower arm slot? I know there's some different takes on that, but. Yeah. Um, so with me, it's, it's not as far as the, the different arm slot. I think it's, it's more of uh, the grip I throw in baseball. So anytime I go to long toss, I know for sure if I try to throw two seamers, at 300 feet, I mean, I'm going to have my, my throwing partner, you know, trying to do a, uh, a one-handed catch or a, a, you know, back of the end zone kind of a thing. Cause he's going left to right with it. Um, I try to, I try to honestly just throw all four seams when I get, 
when I get to around 300 to, to even further 350 feet, uh, just literally just getting behind the ball and getting through it. Um, and when I get to around, you know, 180 to, to, to 200 feet, that's when I start to actually really uh, get into a, a serious pro hop where you, you really pull down the two seam or four seam, whatever it might be. And, you know, uh, 140 to 120 really, you know, try to bury changeups and stuff. I mean, it's all about really just trying to take in, trying to make it so that you, it seems like you're on the mound when you're long tossing, but you're not really, but you want to still have that, that whole pull down thing. Cause that pull down is huge, man. I mean, yeah. your, your acceleration muscles are, are everything, you know, for, for really getting through a baseball and getting that velo. Yeah. It kind of gets overlooked. I think pull downs for sure. Yeah. What pitches do you throw Richard? Um, and kind of velo. Um, so I'm primarily uh fastball, two seam, change up and slider. Um, slider has been anywhere between um eighty-three to I've had it at ninety miles an hour when I've actually I mean that's that was when my arm was, you know, a noodle. Just <laughs> whipping. Um and change ups right around, you know, uh three to six. Uh, two seam can be anywhere between uh, two to four, and my four seam has gone up to uh, ninety eight. And then, is there anything you know, pitching to different hitters like lefty righties? Um, do you have any kind of advice for that? Being a lefty versus lefty, I guess. How are you, how are you pitching against those guys compared to righty? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the the lefty on lefty matchup is is we you know we talk about it being like. It is the toughest thing. It's so hard for left-handed hitters, stuff like that. And I think what really makes it even tougher is a guy like me who jumps at a hitter and my arm slot coming at you from the left-handed side, it seems like it's literally going to hit you. So you have to literally stay in kind of a thing and kind of judge whether it's going to be a strike or a ball. Um, I think, honestly, with that whole – with my whole arm slot, it, it's just so tough for a lefty even to pick it up. Uh, when everything's going great and uh, same thing with a righty um, that arm slot comes really around. And if I try to go four seams inside, it looks like with my arm slot, it looks like it's going to come literally at your right, your right thigh, you know, but it just, it stays in there, stays true. You know, it's, it's really tough, honestly. Um, but obviously, but in the big leagues, you know, guys are adjusted to stuff like that and, and guys have seen, you know, tough hitters and then and, and guys that whose ball really runs in on guys. Guys, they're really, they're really good about staying in on pitches and really, um, really seeing you, especially if you go through a lineup or so or see a guy a uh, couple series at a time. They kind of see you and, and, and look at how you go about things and they really, they know, you know, um, if a pitch is kind of here, what, what it might do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, as far as like knowing, hey, there's no reason to bail out or, or stuff like that. And I think that's where, that's where we kind of get at a disadvantage, but we get an advantage as well because with, with all the film and video we get on guys and stuff, you know, we get to see how people react as far as, you know, their, their feet, how they are in the box. Um, and, and, you know, where their, where their code zones are and stuff like that. Is that where something, do you find you, you get pigeonholed a little bit as kind of only getting lefties out? Being a you know lefty sidearm guy, I guess I, I kind of found that too. But is that something you've you've <laughs> or like the loogie roll type thing? Um, so honestly, that to me, that honestly, uh, with the whole three batter minimum, that that honestly was eliminated in a way. There's yeah. no like you know, there, especially especially like last year and the year before, you seen you seen teams where 
um, they usually they usually have like you know they'll have a lefty lefty uh, in the order like right after another. But over the last like year, just watching the games and stuff like that, looking at the lineup cards, they have their left handers like literally maybe top in order, top three or so, and then you won't see another left hander until like six, seven, or eight. And it's like at that point, it's like I mean, do, how do you even you know how do you even judge when to bring a guy in? especially in the situation, especially, uh, you know, it didn't matter. I mean, say what the score is, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, if it's a close ball game and you came in for a lefty righty righty, and then you see a lefties coming up in the third spot, heck, by the time you get to there, you mean, you can, you as a coach, you can judge it and be like, they might leave them in. Heck, if it's late in the game, they might put a DH in there. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough as far as not being able to see them back to back. Yeah. But I think in that whole role, it's almost I got to be as effective getting lefties as the same as righties out. That's the that's the only thing. Doesn't matter if you're lefty or righty. You have to be effective to both sides. Oh, absolutely. And do do you like that new rule, the three batter? Um, personally, no. <laughs> Honestly, no, because I mean, like, like we said, I enjoy to to come in and yep. you get a tough lefty out. You know what I mean? Or get a guy that does not hit lefties well out. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of that whole three batter minimum literally makes it so that say I get the first two guys, say it's a lefty, right, lefty. Heck, say I get the first two guys out, they might pinch hit the the lefty for a righty. So, I mean, I mean, it's it's just a whole like, it's almost like a a mind game, if anything, of like how a guy is going to face against you and you know teams do a very very good job at you know doing that whole matchup thing um to see how guys might do well and sometimes it works sometimes it you know it doesn't but i don't personally know i don't i don't like the whole no three batter thing and then richard could you talk to us a little bit about your mlb debut yes uh (laughs) (laughs) so um we we had just got back from memphis uh, playing the Redbirds to open the season for Omaha Storm Chasers. And my family had made the drive out. And on the way back home, I had I had a pretty good camp. I thought I had a, a pretty good camp, enough to break. It didn't happen. You know, you move on. You have to go to the to minor leagues and, and continue to show that you're ready. You know what I mean? And basically, you know, I pitched two games out of the three. Um didn't allow up a run, had a few strikeouts, uh, pitched very well. And I was feeling good coming back home, getting ready to, I mean, I think it was close to 20, 30 degrees at Omaha at the time, getting ready to come back home and play in cold weather, which, you know, cold weather is not really friendly. But um, coming back home, getting off the plane, uh, my manager, Brian Polberg, uh, who, oh, my God, he's the, the greatest manager I've had. I mean, I, I love the guy to death, and I wouldn't have wanted to hear it from anybody else, to be honest. Uh, pulled me aside and said, uh, "Hey, buddy, it's time." And and I just, you know, I just kind of looked at him like, "What are you? What are you talking about? What do you mean it's time?" And he, he looks at me and goes, "They need you in the big leagues. You're getting called up." And, and you know, to this day, I still get chills even talking about it. But man, I I I, I, I was lost of words. I, you know, I started, I started crying. I gave him a hug. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. You know, all this hard work, it, but the real kicker was, you know, I had to, <laughs> after getting off the plane and my parents driving back home to Georgia, I had to, <laughs> had to call them. And as soon as I landed, uh, we found out the news, 
I gave them a phone call and uh, they were just pulling, <laughs> they were just pulling into the driveway <laughs> of the home and um, I let them know, Hey, I just got called up and my mom's just in the background, just freaking out. Like, do we need to be there tomorrow? Do we need to be there tomorrow? And I'm just like, no, no way, no chance. They throw me the first day. They'll probably let me, you know, get, get accustomed to the big leagues, you know, just see how it is. Maybe throw me in a game or two. You guys take the drive up the next day. Don't worry about it. And I kid you not, man. Sure enough, it was a, it was a sick. It was a, I think it was a, either five to three or six to three ball game at a time against Seattle. And it was the seventh inning. And they told me to get hot. And all I'm thinking in my head is, my parents are going to freaking kill me. Oh my god, my my wife and my agent had flew out to be there, and I to this day I felt bad that I didn't get them to to actually see it. They were. They were on the radio listening to it the whole time while it was going on. Um, but, I, I, dude, I kid you not. Literally, I was in the bullpen. And I don't think I, – I couldn't even tell you if I even threw a strike in the bullpen. I'm not even going to lie. It was it – was, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like you never feel – you never know you, – you can't experience what this feels like unless you're a guy I would say in the playoffs or anything. That would be the next closest thing. But at that point, you're already accustomed to the big leagues anyways, you know. Um I, I was, I mean, for, for a good, you know, five to eight minutes, I was rattled in the bullpen. I was, I was, I couldn't believe I was getting ready to go into a major league ball game. And, um, our bullpen of the coach or bullpen coach at the time was, uh, Vance Wilson, who was my, who was my double A manager. And he, you know, he, he looked at me and goes, you know, when you get out there, you just need to, to step off the mound take a deep breath and and look around you and take it all in because you'll never have another moment like this. And, you know, that, that kind of stuck with me to this day of, you know, taking, taking everything, you know, serious and taking everything for granted. Cause you know, you don't know, you never know when it'll be the last pitch, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I went out there and first pitch I threw um, to Mac, so Maxwell Smith was a, a fastball, uh, to his back foot and I was like oh my goodness all right we better we better lock it in next thing you know we get we get to a 2-2 two -two count and I threw a slider he swung right through it and once you got that first out man you, I mean it's just once you get once you get that first out in the big leagues you kind of take a, a real deep breath and you really sit back and you're like all right <laughs> the first one's out of the way you know let's let's get back to to the next guy and let's get to the next guy, so to speak. And, you know, the next guy struck out and then I uh, got Justin board to, to fly out to left field. And that was a, a quick, quick inning of, you know, inning of relief. And it was a, it was a day that <laughs> I'll remember for the rest of my life for sure. Then you could relax. eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you had many teammates, Richard, uh, that were kind of sidearm submarine? Um, submarine. Yes. Uh, I had Timmy Hill. Yep. And, uh, we had a guy named, uh, Vasky Vasquez. He was a guy who was the Braves for a little bit, but came to us and he, he threw, I mean, he threw a hundred down low. It was insane. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Timmy Hill was my, was my throwing partner, uh, for those, those two years while he was here. And even when we were in double A, uh, making those runs to the, the playoffs and everything, he was, my, I mean, it was literally, it was anytime we get to a ball game where it was, um, 
we're in the playoffs. Anytime it was a two, three run game and it was the seventh inning, Timmy Hill goes in, gets, you know, probably six people out with just nothing but ease. And I came in and just got the last three. We literally, it was literally like a, it, <laughs> as funny as it, as it is, it's like, it was almost like a major league ball game. It was like, these two guys are my two guys. If the game is, you know, if we have the lead and that's literally what we did for every game that we won. Was there any guys that you kind of emulated or watched a little bit? I know you mentioned Darren O'Day. Was there anyone else you kind of would, would uh, watch? Um, grow, growing up, honestly, when I was growing up, I used to watch uh, Jabba Chamberlain a lot. Okay. Um, I liked the way he threw. Uh, real kind of like a, you know, real bulldog kind of a guy. Yep. We're going to come at you with his best stuff and really, you know, power you down at the bottom of the zone. I kind of, I, I, I honestly, I enjoyed, I loved watching him. And uh, like we talked about with Darren O'Day, that was where I really had to really watch him. Cause I, I mean, to this day, even in spring training and stuff, I'll pull up old videos of Darren O'Day just to see, you know, mechanically what he's doing. If I don't feel right or somewhat uh, after a couple of days of throwing, uh, you know, just to do like a, a mental reset, you know, and to not try to fix something or not try to like, you know, change anything, but try to clean up something that might be causing me to miss here or miss there. And, you know, like we said, a lot of the times when I'm missing is it's, it's always my front shoulder. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really what I've honed with is to really focus on that front shoulder and jumping out, not up and out. Yeah. That was definitely like when I started to overthrow, it was always my front shoulder. I mean, it's definitely common and yeah, definitely Darren O'Day is a great guy to watch. Like just, he's been doing it for a long time and makes it look easy <laughs> and his velocity, <laughs> even though it's, you know, 85, 86, just the hitters, like he makes it look like it's 95, 96. It's right. fun to, fun right. to watch. <laughs> yeah. Could you talk to us just a little bit about your, your college career? Yeah. Um, my, so when I came out of high school, I didn't have any offers. Um, I went and tried out at East Georgia state college. Um, and that's in that little tryout thing. I, um, I did a little bullpen session, I think 15, 20 pitches on the mound, the game mound, uh, VLO was, was higher than what it was when I was in high school. It's about 88, 89. So I was right there at the peak, whatnot, um, going into my first year. Um, I got hurt. It was the whole, the whole thing like we talked about with the elbow being lower than it needed to be causing a lot of stress in my elbow. Never, uh, never had any of the, you know, the Tommy John or the, um, any of the, the ligaments damage or any of that stuff. It just, you know, had a little inflame inflammation around, around my elbow. And, um, you know, I sat out for, I want to say three to five weeks, which was majority of the season. Um, came back, came back and pitched against, I think, Andrews College at Andrews. And that was kind of like, that was the end of my first year. And then the second year, um, second year is what's funny. I actually became, so I was a starter. I was never a reliever. I was a starter uh, going into high school and then going into JUCO. And then my second year of JUCO, I started doing the jump thing. Mm. Started to really, that's where I really got the whole, like, hey, you're not using your legs. And uh, Matt Passor, who was my uh, pitching coach while I was there, um, he he really kind of helped me hone into my my mechanics and my abilities to to really pitch and really get the most out of myself. Um, 
And my second year, um, pissed a lot of innings. I mean, I think I got up to about 70 or, or 75, 76 innings somewhere around there as a starter. Um, and once I started getting, you know, getting that, you know, that real getting seen by a lot more schools and stuff like that, we had like a pro day at, uh, Georgia regions university where all the scouts would come out and stuff like that. And, um, I think there is when, um, Derek Simmons, who was a hitting coach for Kennesaw state. Um, he actually was in the stands watching that day, watching hitters and kind of caught, I guess he, he saw me in, in the process of doing it and uh, sent me a sent me a message on Twitter, said, hey, we'd like to have you on a visit. And, I mean, I was ecstatic. I was like, heck, yeah, we can go to D1. Let's do it. And, you know, I went out there and um, visited the school and everything. Loved every bit of it. Loved how it wasn't one of those giant campuses where you get lost, you know, because a lot of guys, a lot of guys uh, that transition from high school or to JUCO to a D1, you got to make sure you don't get lost, man. Cause there's a lot of schools out there that have a lot, a lot of classes spread out, you know, and it, it can get real, real tricky at times trying to find somewhere not trying to be late and stuff like that. And, um, once I went to Kennesaw, uh, we started having our own pro days where we play against each other. And that's where, um, Oh, before that, let's take it back to there. Before I went to Kennesaw, um, Derek Simmons hooked me up with, uh, a summer ball thing because they wanted me to go play summer ball and uh, in the New, New England Collegiate League. Um, and I was on the Ocean State Waves and I was going there just to get innings and whatnot. And when I was there, you know, I wasn't a starter. It was kind of weird to me. I was like, hey, why am I not starting sort of thing? He's like, hey, don't worry about it. Just go there, get your innings. You'll be a starter here, whatever. You know what I mean? So I'm going through all the, you know, all the stuff, all the games, whatever. My first game, my first game, I think I got one out and then I gave up a, a game winning double. And I'm thinking to myself like, God, man, this sucks. Like this is, you, this is the last inning and you have to literally nail down the door or, you, or you, the game's over kind of thing. But you know, my next, they brought me back out uh, three days later uh, went one, two, three. Uh, they liked what they saw threw me out again uh, a day after uh, went, three quick outs again. And at that point, uh, it was before we even got to, to Newport who were our, our cross town rivals. But at that point it was like, Oh shoot, man. Like I could throw every day and not have to wait, you know, like every six days. I was like, you know, this might be, this might be kind of fun, honestly. And you know, I, I really, I'm telling you, I literally, and that's, that's honestly where my velo jumped from, from 91 to, to 94 to, to, sitting three to six was when I was in the collegiate baseball league. And I was just, man, I was just plowing through guys. Literally. It was like, it was, it, it came to the same situation where it was like, they already knew when someone came down there, who was getting ready to get hot, who's going to go in the game. Everybody's looking around. Everybody knew who was going to game. I was going to win the game to, to seal the deal. And man, I, Oh my goodness. I, I put together one heck of a, a, a year there made the all-star team all-star game got rained out. We ended up just throwing bullpens on the, on the side of the field in front of all the scouts, which I thought to this day was kind of weird. Um, but, and then we go into Kennesaw and they asked me like, Hey, like, I think we want you to, you know, do this reliever thing. We, we really want you to, 
to really continue to do that because it looked like, you know, your velo jumped up. We're able to use you multiple times. You can be an impact player at any point, any game, and not just every three or four days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, that's where I, I really fell in love with the whole, the whole being able to be used every single day kind of a thing. Cause with me, it was like, Marm felt fresh as heck after after a start. And I'm like, man, I want to continue to throw. You know, they're like, hey, take a day off, whatever. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just want to continue to throw. And so whenever I was able to get into this role, um, I kind of just it, my arm just kind of took off. It was just like, yeah, we love this. We love this throwing every day. Take care of it, obviously. Do your maintenance, do everything you have to do, stay healthy. But heck, if you want to throw, go out there and do it again. Do that, you know, keep doing it. And when I got to when I got to Kennesaw, it was me and Eric Stahl, and we were we were literally just eighth and ninth inning guys. That's literally what it was. Everywhere I've gone, I've always been either the the inning before the end or the end to end the game, and that's the way I've I've always you know thrived. I really love that that whole pressing situation and and stuff like that. And I've done really well with it. And then I guess obviously sounds like kind of bought into being a reliever, which I know some guys struggle with, right? But yeah. 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 There's, there's been times where we've had starters that get hurt and we need them just to, you know, get innings as a reliever to get back into it. And they get rocked around, man. It's like, cause they're not, you know, they're not expecting it. They're like, they're expecting a lineup start of the game, you know, not facing a lineup whenever they've already seen, you know, six, seven innings of people throwing at them, you know, and that's, that's the whole, that's the whole different mindset. I think of it is just like, being able to come in and be dominant right away and not just be, you know, the starter and trying to set the tone. Would you have anything, Richard, just mentally, like, you know, being, you know, kind of sitting in the bullpen, like kind of how to get ready and, you know, stay sharp. So that's a fun part. Um, I think for the first, uh, I'd say the first couple of innings, you're kind of just, you know, shooting the crap, whatever you're doing, you know, you're, you're talking with your buddies, whatever. Um, I think when, you know, right around the fourth, fourth inning on is when you start to really, you know, do things that um, you need to do to be ready if you need to get ready. Uh, as far as foam rolling, bands, you know, stretching, just, you know, minor things to keep yourself loose throughout the game. Because, you know, sitting around in the bullpen all day, you just get all tight. And if you're not doing anything, uh, it's going to be hard to just get up and start throwing. So um, I think the whole the whole thing about like just, I would say, yeah, run the fourth, run the fourth inning is when you start to really, um, I wouldn't say you're not paying attention to the whole game, but fourth innings when you really start to watch hitter by hitter by hitter, you know, seeing how guys are, seeing how your starter, because that's a big thing too, is seeing how your starter is attacking guys. Yeah. Because then that allows you say, if you're, if your starter is pounding a guy in all day, shoot, that's going to allow you to come in and throw outside. You know what I mean? If a guy's living out all day and they're getting hit all day, that's your chance to come in and, blow, and just blow people's doors inside. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I mean, I know it can be easier said than done at times, but I mean, you're still kind of paying attention and watching the game, obviously, in the bullpen yeah. and seeing seeing what happens to to those hitters that you're going to be facing. Yeah, for sure. What would be your favorite part about pitching from from the lower arm slot? I, I would say just. Um, seeing, seeing, seeing the swings you get from people, honestly, <laughs> I'm serious. Like you, you'll have, you'll have pitches where you'll be living at the bottom of zone, bottom zone, and you'll, 
to throw one high and you're like, God, it's a terrible pitch, but the guy will swing at it and you're like, well, shoot. All right. I guess that looked like a strike, but then it just didn't become a strike. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's, it's a huge deception thing about uh, when you're pitching If you can be very deceptive and, and, and hide the ball or, you know, or have some sort of delivery that guys don't see often. I mean, that you got to use that to your advantage. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the key to me is if guys don't see guys like me throw often, that's, that's my advantage. That's already one. That's one, nothing me already. Yeah. And I think, and even just having that mindset and, you know, knowing that hitters aren't used to facing, you know, guys like yourself and having that confidence on the mound. I think a lot of sidearm guys kind of tend to nibble and try to be too fine, but just knowing that the hitter is not comfortable out there can make a big difference. Yeah. I mean, cause you'll see it, you'll see it a lot of the times. Um, even from my arm angle to even guys that are submarine guys just try to just, just make contact. Honestly, they try to just, they don't take, you don't see a big power swing. You see guys trying to literally just kind of just make like a little, a contact swing. And, and sometimes it can get frustrating, especially if you throw on great pitches and people are just, you know, just barely foul tipping it. They're not even taking in a, an aggressive actual swing. They're just, you know, just trying to stay alive sort of thing. I guess, Richard, just kind of time for our ninth inning call of the bullpen. So just going to be some random questions just to learn a little bit more about you. Okay. Uh, favorite NHL team? Favorite NHL team? <laughs> Oof. Um, you know, for some reason, uh, I want to say I don't watch them, but I, I, when I played NHL, I loved the player, and it's uh, Vincent LeCavier, and it was from the Flyers. Okay. But if I would, yeah. if I would say, if I would say a team that I've gone and watched hockey, it'd probably be the Coyotes. Favorite travel destination? Uh, somewhere over the beach, honestly. <laughs> Not the snow in Canada. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I'll trade you. <laughs> um, all-time favorite professional wrestler? Uh, the Undertaker. And then, Richard, what's the capital of Canada? You just hit me with a trick question. No. <laughs> that, it's the only true or false one. But All right, I'm going to name a bunch. You tell me which one it is. I'm going to say Montreal, Toronto, Calgary. Um, have I said it yet? No. Uh, it, they do have an NHL team. So Vancouver. You're, you're getting there. Uh, so it's not Vancouver? No. Okay, there's seven. There's seven Canadian NHL teams. Yep. You got. You've named five, so you're close. Yeah. You got Calgary, <laughs> you got Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. What was the fifth one I said? Um, do you say Edmonton? Oh, the Oilers. No, I haven't. Um, Montreal. Yeah, I said Montreal. There's two more missing. I always, always, oh my goodness. I always know how many there are, but I just never know. Oh my goodness. It's the, it's the senators, if that helps. Ottawa. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm literally, I'm good with every team. I'm telling you, I could name, I, I, I have a weird, <laughs> weird brain that stores literally every team name for some reason. And then if you could golf or have dinner with three famous celebrities, famous people, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, <laughs> I would say uh, Tiger Woods, Phil Milkison, 
and probably Dustin Johnson. Is there a particular course you'd like to do? Mm. Honestly, probably the one that nobody can see in or get tickets to, the Masters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then if you could be an Olympian in another sport, winter or summer, what sport would you like to do? Winter or summer. Honestly, winter sounds kind of cool. And I would like to learn how to ski. So any kind of like, I guess what they do, they speed trials, stuff like that. Yeah, or slalom skiing or yep, downhill skiing. Have you never skied before? <laughs> no. <laughs> I have a hard time staying on skates. And then on the 2017 Northwest Arkansas Naturals, do you remember the name of the Aussie catcher? The Aussie catcher. Yes, I do. <laughs> His name was Alan de San Miguel. Yes. I was trying to actually see if you played with any Canadians, but I couldn't necessarily see any. Do you remember playing with any Canadians? Canadians? Um, see, I can't. Not that, not that I can think of, no. Honestly, no. Yeah, even just kind of looking briefly at just some of the Royals teams you were on, I, I couldn't find any. But I played, yeah. with a bunch, played with a bunch of Australians myself, and they're always good yes. people. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you for coming on, Richard. Is there any shout-outs before we sign off? Shout-out to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> Shout-out to my family. Um, and let's, uh, let's go have a dominant year this year. No, absolutely. And I wish you all the best this season, Richard. Thank you so much. She said, Decome from a land down under where women glow and men thunder. Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? Yeah. You better run, you better take cover. Yeah. You better run, you better take cover.